You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. John chapter number 11, we'll begin reading at verse number 38, we'll read down to verse number 45. The Bible says, Jesus therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a na- about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto him, Loose him, and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary, and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. Amen. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray now that you'd speak to us and give us uh, what we need. I pray for those that are here today with uh, very heavy burdens. I pray that you'd give uh, grace and victory. And I pray that you would lift those loads. I pray for someone here today that may not be saved. I pray that today would be the day that they'd put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ once and for all. Lord, I pray that you would please help us uh, in this time. Bless our junior church. I pray that you'd bless those in our bus ministry as that's going on right now. I pray for uh, those who are sick, those that could not be here, but they're watching online or listening by way of radio. I pray that you'd minister to them as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated and uh, make sure we're on and uh, let's jump right into it. I've got a lot I'd like to say. And uh, one disclaimer is uh, Brother Joe Arthur, when he was here for our revival, uh, he preached one of the nights from this passage. I'm not preaching the same message. Uh, He preached the message, the three resurrections of John 11. I encourage you to go back and listen to that and uh, watch that. But this is a passage that I've had in my heart for probably about a month or two, and I've just been praying for the right time to get to it, and here we are. But I love this story about Lazarus. Isn't it an amazing story to think that not only did Jesus heal somebody of a sickness, but Jesus waited till after Lazarus was dead. He'd been dead for four days, and nobody thought it was possible, but yet Jesus did the impossible. How many of you know Jesus can do the impossible today? He's able. He hasn't changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, uh, The the book of uh, Malachi, God says, I am the Lord, I change not. I'm glad that God is still powerful today. But in this passage, I want you to see a few things. Number one, I want you to see in John 11, I want you to see the sickness. It says in John 11, in verse number one, and I want you to, to look, if you don't have a Bible, maybe look on with somebody that does. But I want you to help me with a few of these words here. I want you to see it for yourself. It says in John 11, 1, Now a certain man was, what's the next word? Sick. 
And his name was Lazarus. He was of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It says in verse 2, And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was, what's the next word? He was sick. Verse number three. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Verse four. When Jesus heard that, he said this, what's the word? Sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Verse number six. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. But something happened with this sickness. This did not stay a sickness. I want you to notice verse number 11. Uh, Jesus said, our friend Lazarus sleepeth. Now, how many of you know sleeping is not a bad thing to do, right? As a matter of fact, I recommend trying to get some sleep once in a while. That's a great thing. But Jesus wasn't talking about resting. It says in verse number 13, Howbeit Jesus spake of his, what's the next word? Death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Verse 14, then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So you see, this was a sickness, number one, but it didn't stay a sickness. This sickness led to death. Now we know that sickness is a part of life. If you have never been sick, I would love to know your secret. I try, and I know you try, especially during uh, the, the winter months and all that, and there's colds going around and flus and all that, and we try. Now, I will say, I do get a little frustrated sometimes when I see some people that never get sick. Now, if you're healthy and you exercise and you take vitamins and you eat good and you don't get sick, I can understand that. But the people that frustrate me are the people that eat junk food every meal. They do not exercise. They not, do not do anything to take care of their health, but yet they're never sick. Do you know anybody like that? Yeah, there's, I, I know a few. Then on the flip side, how many of you know some people that they do everything they can to be healthy, and yet what happens? They get sick. Sickness is a fact of life. We live in a sin-cursed world. The Bible tells us that because of sin, uh, and so then death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. We live in a world that is filled with hurts. It's filled with aches and pains and injuries and diseases. That is a part of life. But I want you to see in this passage that this man who was sick was somebody that knew Jesus. As a matter of fact, he knew him well. The Bible says that Lazarus and Mary and Martha, they were friends of Jesus. The Bible says in this passage that they loved Jesus and Jesus loved them. How many of you know sometimes God's people get sick? Sometimes good people suffer. Sometimes people that love God and they give their life to serve God, they go through times of sickness and times of pain and times of disease. Can I tell you, when you do know someone that gets sick, don't ever assume that it's because they're not right with God or because they're away from God. Can I tell you some of the dearest, godliest people I know are people that deal with sickness and deal with, with health issues day after day after day. I think this story is a great reminder of that. Lazarus was sick, although he was known by Jesus. He was a friend of Jesus. He loved Jesus and he was loved by Jesus. When we go through sickness, let me remind you, 
that God wants us to come to him in prayer. Don't ever feel like, well, I'm sick and there's nothing I can do about it. I'll read for you James chapter number five. The Bible says in this passage, is any among you sick? Well, in this case, I think probably some of you would say, that's me, I've got a, a disease or I've got a condition or I've got something. Well, verse 14 of James five, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, now don't get off on a tangent and don't think, oh, it's the oil that makes people better. The Bible clarifies that in the next verse. It says in verse number 15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Aren't you glad that the prayer of faith works? I want to tell you, if you don't believe it, you look sometime at our prayer list. And you see people that have been sick and people that have had cancer and people that have had heart conditions. And you look at people that the doctor said there was no hope, but God's people prayed and some people had faith. And we've seen God raise some people up. And I thank God for the miracle of prayer. The Bible goes on to say that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer works. You're sick today. Maybe you're watching this service online or you're listening on the radio and you say, Pastor, I would love to be in church, but I'm sick and I can't get there. I can't be there. Well, let me encourage you. Don't give up on prayer and don't give up on God because prayer works. So, well, Pastor, I, I've been sick for a long time and I know somebody that's been sick or I know somebody that's battled health issues for a long time and they haven't gotten better. Well, how many of you know God doesn't always heal the way we want him to heal? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm kind of mulling that passage. I'm going to probably preach from that here in a few weeks. But the Apostle Paul had, the Bible calls it, a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was. Some believe it was a sickness. Some believe it was a kind of a disease that Paul had. We're not sure. But how many of you think that the Apostle Paul knew how to pray? You think he knew how to pray? You better believe he knew how to pray. He knew how to get a hold of God. He knew what it was to walk with God. He had the power. He had the touch of God. Yet Paul prayed for God to remove his thorn in the flesh. He prayed three times. And God never removed that thorn, but I would dare say God answered his prayer. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. I thought you said God didn't remove the thorn. God didn't. But here's what God said to Paul. God's answer to Paul, he said, Paul, my grace will be sufficient for you. And he said, Paul, in your weakness, you're going to experience my power. You're going to experience my strength. And when you are weak, Paul, that's when you are actually strong because of the power of God. Maybe you know someone like that. And God hasn't healed them and God hasn't raised them up. Well, can I tell you this? God's grace is always sufficient. God's grace is always enough. And God has promised that he would give grace uh, for your trial. Number one, I see there was a sickness. Lazarus was sick. Secondly, I see in this passage in uh, John 11, I see the saints. You say, well, where are the saints? And I'm not talking about the New Orleans saints. They're not in here. Um, I'm not even talking about the saints alive, although we got some great saints alive in our church, and I thank the Lord for that. But I see three saints that are listed here, and these are folks, a saint is one who is not perfect, but they're dedicated. They're committed. They're consecrated to the Lord. And I don't think you could find more consecrated people than Mary and Martha and Lazarus. 
The Bible tells us that Mary sacrificed for Jesus in John 11 in verse number 2 that she anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. We see that Martha was one that served Jesus and cared for Jesus. And these were people that, uh, that, 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 that loved Jesus and Jesus mattered in their lives. But yet here they are experiencing a great tragedy. I want you to notice with me John 11 in verse number 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Did you know you could put your name in that verse? Isn't that good to know? You could, you could put your name in that verse and say, Jesus loves me, and Jesus loves my family, and Jesus cares about me. And I want to remind you today that you matter to Jesus, and what you're going through, Jesus knows all about your struggle. He cares about you. He wants you to cast all of your care upon him because you matter to God. Hallelujah for that. I tell you what, if you came in here a little discouraged, that ought to be something to help you leave encouraged to know that Jesus loves you and he cares about you. I see number one, the sickness. Number two, the saints. Number three, I see the Son of God. Now, every story in the Bible is all about Jesus. In the Old Testament, we see that the, the scriptures point towards Jesus. They point towards the cross. They point, point towards the Messiah. And then you get to the Gospels, and the Gospels is all about the life of Jesus and the, the death and the burial and the resurrection. And then you get into the New Testament, and it points back to Jesus. And then I like this. You get to the book of Revelation, and it starts pointing up. And it reminds us that Jesus is coming back. And this book is not about you, and this book is not about me, but this book is all about Jesus. And in this story, Jesus Christ is the hero. Jesus Christ is the main character. Jesus Christ is the focus. And can I remind you, Jesus ought to be the focus of your life. Jesus ought to be the focus of my life. Everything we do ought to be all about him. You see, without him... We've got nothing good to talk about. Without Jesus, we have no hope. Without Jesus, we have uh, nothing that is good. We are in this world. Without Jesus, we are without hope, and we are without God. It's in the gold book. You don't have to turn there. But it's number 496 in this gold book, and it's a, a newer song. It's not an old hymn. But the song says, You've been my friend for so long. You were right when I was wrong. I can't repay all the love you've given me. You were my friend when no one cared. I was alone, but you were there. Lord, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I want to say today, Jesus Christ is the best thing that's ever happened in my life. And if you're honest, Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened in your life. And if you do not know Jesus, you need to know him today and you need to trust him today because he is the best thing that could ever happen in your life when you put your faith and trust in him, the son of God. Jesus Christ comes on the scene in this story. They sent for him. That's a good thing to do. And he came. But I want you to notice with me in verse number four, when Jesus heard that he's, uh, that, that, that Lazarus was sick, he said, this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And I want to remind you, when you go through sickness, when I go through sickness, when we go through heartache, it's not about us, 
but it is about bringing glory to God. And friend, when you go through trials and you go through difficulties, let those trials be something that God can use to be glorified in your life and through your life. Number one, I see the sickness. I see number two, the saints. Number three, the son of God. Number four, I want you to see quickly the sorrow. It says in verse number 19 that, of course, Lazarus was dead. Jesus said that he's dead, verse 14. And so it says in verse number 19, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Verse number 31, the Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her. Did you know that that is something that God's people ought to do? It ought to be normal. It ought to be natural. It ought to be automatic that when we see somebody that is grieving, when we see somebody that is hurting, that we rush to their aid to give them comfort. Brother Dan was teaching in Sunday school this morning about coming to church. And again, you're here today, so I can say this to you. But, but coming to church is not just about sitting on a pew. But coming to church, Hebrews tells us, is to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but it is to exhort one another. And when we come to church, it ought to be our mission. Who can I encourage? When we come to church, it ought to be our mission to say, who can I help this week? Who can I call this week? Who can I jot a note to this week? Who can I be there for this week? That is what we are. We're the family of God. We're the church. We're the bride of Christ that God has chosen to use to encourage each other in time of need. I thank the Lord, as I said already. I thank God for, 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 for the people, not just from our church, but people from all over that came to the side of Brother Wesley and his family this week to comfort him. And friend, when people go through sorrow, they don't need you to kick them while they're down. They don't need you to criticize. They don't need for you to be the, uh, the couch quarterback that says, well, if you'd have done this, and if you'd have tried this, and if you'd have done this, people need encouragement. God's people are here and have been placed here so that we can comfort one another. We see the sorrow. Verse number 33, I love this verse. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her. Did you know Jesus sees your sorrow? Jesus sees your tears. You, you have never shed a tear that has not gotten the attention of your Savior, Jesus Christ. He sees and he knows. But the Bible says in verse number 33, not only did Jesus see their weeping, but the Bible says that Jesus himself, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Say, so what does it mean to groan in the spirit? Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't know what to say? Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't have the words? And maybe even as you were praying, you said, Lord, I don't even know what to pray for. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know, I don't even know what to ask for. Uh, maybe you've been in a situation where you were caught off guard and you were shocked and you were devastated and you got a phone call and, and you, you couldn't even wrap your brain around it. And, and you're literally, you're groaning in the spirit. You're, you're trying to, to, to formulate words, but you can't. The Bible says that Jesus groaned in the spirit and he was troubled. The word troubled, it means to be agitated, uh, to be in a place of, of unrest or, or to be literally to be distressed to be distraught. Jesus was not agitated because he was worried about Lazarus. He knew he could raise Lazarus. Do you know what bothered Jesus? 
It bothered Jesus to see his friends sorrowing. It bothered Jesus to see Mary and Martha and to see the folks there at that grave that were weeping. Can I tell you, it matters to Jesus when you go through sorrow and Jesus makes it clear that he is touched, he is affected by the feelings of our infirmities. You know the verse, John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. Jesus himself shed tears. Jesus himself wept. Verse 36, then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. And that's a true statement. Jesus did love Lazarus so much. Verse 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself, we see the sorrow. But then quickly I want you to see in this passage number five, I see the skepticism. I want you to turn back with me to verse number 16 in John 11. Jesus and his disciples are getting ready to go to, to see Lazarus, even though he waited two days. He didn't go right away. And Jesus tells the disciples, he said, it's time to go. And Thomas says, you, you remember Thomas, right? We got, we got two Thomases sitting right up here. I got to be careful what I say about Thomases. But Thomas says, he was kind of a little sarcastic, wasn't he? He said, okay, Jesus, I guess we'll go. Got another Thomas over here. I, everywhere I turn, we got Thomases. And Thomas said, okay, Jesus, I guess we'll go and we're going to die just like Lazarus is dying. He said, what is that all about? Well, the last time Jesus had been in the region of Judea, they tried to kill him. And so Thomas is thinking, Jesus, are you sure this is a good idea? Lazarus is dead. Let's not add to the death count. Let's not have any more funerals. Let's not go. And he was skeptical. By the way, have you ever felt like Jesus did not know what he was doing in your life? Let's be honest. I think we've all been there. I think there have been times in our life where we've thought, this is not going to work. This doesn't make sense. This is not going to have a good outcome. Have you ever wondered if Jesus knew what he was doing? Have you ever wondered if Jesus knew where he was leading you? You say, I have decided to follow Jesus, but I wish he wouldn't go that way. Well, guess what? He is God, whether you understand it or not. He is God, whether you see it or not. He is God, whether you've got it figured out or not. Thomas doubted, but Jesus Christ was able to lead them safely to Bethany. But then we get to verse 21 and verse 32, and we see Mary and Martha both said the same thing. They said, Jesus, if you would have been here, this would have never happened. Does that sound familiar? Jesus, why didn't you let that person get sick? Jesus, why didn't you let that person pass away? Jesus, why didn't you let this happen in my life? Sometimes we get skeptical. Sometimes we begin to doubt. Sometimes we begin to question God. But I want to remind you this morning, Victory Baptist Church, that whether you understand it or not, that doesn't change the fact that he's still God. And that doesn't change the fact that God is still good and God is always right and God has never made a mistake. We don't always understand it. We don't always have it figured out. Mary and Martha, they love Jesus, but they said, Jesus, if you would have been here, none of this would have happened. Well, friend, I want to tell you, whether Jesus is four days late or four days early, 
or whether he shows up or not, it does not change the fact that he always knows what is best. He is God. I see the skepticism. Number six, quickly, I see the summons. I like this, verse 43. Jesus told them, he said, I need you to roll the stone away. And they said, Jesus, he's been dead for four days. If we roll that stone away, that body already stinks. There's no way that's a good idea. He said, roll the stone away. So they rolled the stone away, and then Jesus, number six, he summoned Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Now, you say, Pastor, what does this have to do with us today? I'm so glad you asked. Did you know that you and I were all just like Lazarus one day? Except we weren't dead physically, we were dead spiritually. The Bible says that we were dead in trespasses and sins, and we might as well have been in that grave, and we might as well have just been done and gone and no hope until Jesus came by and Jesus called and Jesus called your name, and he called my name, and he said, come forth. And he said, whosoever will may come, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he said, receive the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And the summons, Jesus called Lazarus to come forth, and friend, today he calls for you to come forth. He calls for you to come forth and he promises that he will give you not just physical life, but he'll give you eternal life. Not just life here on earth, but life in heaven. And can I tell you, you and I have been summoned. What are you going to do with the call? You're here today and you say, I've already been saved. Pastor, I've been born again. I, there's been a time and a place where I've trusted Christ. Wonderful. Did you know Jesus is calling you to serve him? Did you know Jesus is calling you to surrender to him? We sing that, we still sing it some, but in our hymn books, that, that invitation song, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. Did you know Jesus doesn't get in your face and scream at you? He calls, and his call is a call of love. And his call is a call of compassion. And his call is a call of confidence. And his call is a call of authority. And when Jesus speaks, he can back up what he speaks. And Jesus today is calling for you. What will you do with the call? Lastly, I see in this passage, number seven, I see that Lazarus was set free. It says in verse 43 that Jesus cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth. But notice verse 44. He was bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, loose him and let him go. Now, when you read the Bible, you got to use your imagination. Not to make stuff up, but you've got to use your imagination to picture what is the Bible saying. And what the Bible is saying is that Lazarus was dead. He'd been dead for four days. They rolled the stone away, and then Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus gets up from the tomb where he was lying down. He was dead. He was gone. And he gets up. But there's a problem. He's still got the grave clothes all around him. I picture on the old cartoons, I picture a mummy. You, do, do you understand what that means? And I don't know why, but in the cartoons, the, the mummies always had, you know, eye holes 
and a mouth hole, right? You know, I'm not sure why, but in the cartoons. I'm not sure Lazarus had those, but I picture a mummy just wrapped up. And, and Lazarus has enough movement, enough mobility that he can stand up and he can come out. But Jesus said his hands are bound. His feet are bound. His face is bound. And so I don't know what it was like, but it had to have been dark back in that tomb. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And all of a sudden they see something moving from the tomb. And all of a sudden he gets to the mouth of that cave, that tomb, and they see somebody's moving. And he's wrapped up in grave clothes. And I don't know if he was shuffling. I don't know if he was mumbling because his face was all wrapped up. And he's like, mm, 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 you know, he couldn't move his hands and his feet. By the way, that's hard to do. It's hard to talk without your mouth and without your hands, right? I mean, that's really hard to do. And, and Jesus says to the people there, he says, loose him and let him go. Now, time out. Jesus is the one that raised him from the dead. We can't do that. I can't do that. You can't do that. But Jesus gave the people there something to do that they could do. They could walk over. Now, it might have been a little scary. Like, are we sure we want to unwrap this guy? Are we sure this is sanitary? Are we sure this is safe? But anybody can go and just take some wrapping take some bandages off. Anybody can do that. And it may not seem like a big deal, but until somebody was willing to loose him and let him go, Lazarus couldn't go where he needed to go. He couldn't see what he needed to see. He couldn't handle what he needed to handle. He couldn't walk where he needed to walk. He was limited in what he could do. Well, friend, I want to tell you, when a person gets saved, they become born again. Their, their name is written in the book of life. They've got a home in heaven. They've been washed in the blood of Jesus. They've been saved. But can I tell you, a person that gets saved, they need somebody that can help them to grow. They need somebody that can help them along the way. And, and friend, today, there's a lot of people in Roanoke Rapids. There's a lot of people that have been to our church that they've been saved, but they've still got the grave clothes on. By the way, there may be some people in the church today. <laughs> You've been saved, but you still got some grave clothes. And you say, well, what's wrong with grave clothes? Grave clothes are not what a child of God should be wearing. God's got a robe of righteousness for you. God's got a new garment. God's got a way for you to live that doesn't look like and smell like the world, but it looks like you've been saved. And you can help somebody to be set free from the grave clothes. You can encourage somebody this week. And by the way, don't go to them and don't say, what's your problem? Why you got all those grave clothes on? Well, just like you had on too until somebody came by and helped you. But maybe you could find somebody this week and say, I could pray for that person. I could encourage that person. I could invite them to come to church. I could, I could encourage them to, uh, to, to, to join me Wednesday night in Bible study. I could invite them to come to Sunday school. I could go by and I could encourage them. I could help them. I could talk to them. Uh, I could call them. I could write them. I could text them. I could do something this week to help somebody. You see, here it is. God has done the transformation work in our lives, but God uses us to help people to grow. God uses us to encourage people along the pathway. And that is why we have a local church, so that we can be involved 
in the Lord's work. Now, let's, let's, let's all remember, God doesn't need us. He can make it just fine without us. But we certainly need him. And he has chosen to use us to do something in his work to help others. There are some Lazaruses out there. First of all, they need to be saved. And we need to tell them about Jesus. But once they get saved, we want to see them grow. We want to see them thrive. We want to see them have the ability to do something for the Lord. And as long as those grave clothes are on, there's not a whole lot you're going to be able to do. But isn't it great when those grave clothes come off? Isn't it great when you become a, a new person in Christ and old things are passed away and all things are become new? And I tell you, that's the victorious Christian life that God has for you and for me. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.